Welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This is our live broadcast that we do with the Institute for Supply Management. We do two of their reports. This is the report on manufacturing, which is hosted by Tim Fiore. And joining me is Lou Weiss, who's the founder of Manufacturing Talk Radio. And we're going to hear today from Tim Fiore why this report is not the beginning of the end. We're not going off a cliff. Uh, things are just fine. Remember, we're measuring month over month, not month over the edge. Tim, welcome to the show. Yeah, good to be here, Tim. Lou, good to see you guys. Good to see you guys. Good seeing you. So, uh, so, so it's not doomsday. No, it's not doomsday. So we definitely underperformed uh, and we disappointed. I mean, coming into 53 was a bit of a shock, no doubt about it. But as usual, the 10, 10 sub-indexes really tell the story. Uh, you know, we've had a demand-driven supply constraint expansion. Demand is still there, but it's not accelerating. Uh, the suppliers did perform better in the month of June compared to May, and there's been a pretty much a steady improvement over the last three months, not only from a delivery rate standpoint, but also from a pricing standpoint. Prices are coming down. What's still sticking really is lead times. Lead times are still at record. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for those to relax because, you know, currently people have order books that are probably two and three times what their normally fill rate is. And so if, if orders start to kind of fall off a little bit, they're falling off well outside their normal order book environment. And I think that's what's really going on on the demand side. We, uh, we contracted slightly on demand because of that, we burned into our backlog. But you know, fundamentally, the reason I think we're still very good is that people are still hiring. Uh, I had a nine to one hire to uh, fire ratio down from 10 to one in May. They're, they're still having difficulty in hiring. So if the panelist companies were concerned about demand, they put hiring freezes in place immediately. And there are, there's absolutely no indication in any of this report that there's any kind of a hiring freeze at all. And in fact, you see the contraction on the employment number that still reflects the fact that they cannot staff the factory floor appropriately because we still have too high of a quits rate. So you know, I think that was it, 53, lowest number in probably a couple of years since we started to climb out. Uh, the supplier delivery number came down pretty heavily, almost nine points. That contributed heavily to a 53. If uh, you went back to the prior month supplier delivery number, the 53 would probably turn into 55. And we also had the combined effect here of new orders uh, not growing. Uh, but I think that's still really, as I've said for the last three months, buyers are pausing. Uh, and they're pausing appropriately. The lead times are well out beyond records and prices are coming down. So. I wouldn't be committing, you know, two and a half times my normal lead times at high prices. I'd sit and wait. And I think that's what the panelist is, uh, community is doing. Regarding inventories uh, remaining the same uh, for the most part, uh, it seems as though that uh, up until now, because of COVID, because of a whole lot of other issues, that people have been overbuying to make sure that they have stock. Then the new orders drop. They still got high inventory. Production hasn't uh, changed a whole lot. So they're not buzzing through because you don't have enough employees. So all in all, I would say that this is a, you know, a great report. Yeah. So we, we, we definitely all over-ordered. You know, and that's for delivery some point in the future, depending on the industry sector. We've also over-received. You know, back to your point about overbought. It's really over receiving because it's a mismatch of stuff. And if you get 100 pieces that you need, 
and you can get the 98 and you only want two of the 98, but you don't want to have to worry about them the following month. So you take four of the 98. That drives up your raw material and intermediate goods products. And you try to, and you're racing for those other two pieces to finish the product. In the meantime, work and process inventory, inventory expands because you, you make it 80% of the way through the product and you sit to the side waiting for those two pieces. That's still going on. It's going on in a heavy way. So the manufacturing inventory number at 56 is a good number. I'm glad to see it stayed at that 56 level. If it had come down end of the month, end of the quarter kind of issue, and it had come down closer to 50, we would have gotten closer to 50 really on the PMI number, which would have been a whole nother thing to explain. So I would expect the manufacturing inventory number is probably going to drop in the month of July. It seems like the month following the close of a quarter, we see a step down in, in the manufacturing inventory but it's only temporary and it goes back up. But the, my point is, is that we still can't hire enough people on the factory floor. And the panelists are still trying to hire people at the same extent they've been trying to do it for the last year, year and a half. So there's really no problem here. <laughs> Just because the new order number came down, it's a function of overordering. And uh, because I'll tell you, in, in my experience, the minute there's some sign of a moderate to near-term kind of uh, demand fall off, you're putting a hiring freeze in place immediately. You're not, if you're going to hire people, you're planning at least to have work for at least a year because nobody wants to lay off factory workers within that 12 month time frame. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, considering also the machine tool uh, order index uh, is, is, I think, the highest it's been in a long time. I think it's at 53 uh, something. And uh, it, uh, it, it, that's a good. Uh, 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 prognosticator of what's coming in the next four, five, six months. So uh, I don't see where all the negative is unless you start listening to, and I forgive me, my brethren in the media world, you guys are going to cause panic because in the news tonight, I'm sure they're going to say, oh my God, things are collapsing. Yeah, so the word, the word that I picked up, I haven't had a chance to really watch it, but I've been talking to a lot of media people and not only the new order number contracting spooked them quite a bit, they're, they're now interpreting the contraction on employment at 47 to be a harbinger of layoffs. And my point is, what's the difference? Last month, we were 49. The right. month before that, we were 50. We, we, you know, we talked about that. The issue is we can't get enough people. What do you think it changed overnight? In, in the space of four weeks, we went from can't get enough people to we're laying them all off. That, that's, <laughs> that's what happened in the pandemic. You know? <laughs> And even then, we weren't really searching for that many people back in January, February of 2020. So, hey, just everybody just needs to calm down. You know, the Fed's going to grow interest rates at some point. I honestly firmly believe that he's not going to throw us into a recession this year. As we were talking earlier in the show, I would much rather have, a, have to pay extra money for goods than not have a paycheck at all. And that's when you see emotions really start is when people start getting worried about their jobs. And and this whole thing, recession, recession, demand destruction, stop it, stop it. And the manufacturing side, we're still doing fine. The service economy is still growing. It's still coming out. Let it kind of take its course. I, I don't see anything happening here. And, you know, if you look at that whole rule about I'm going to hire for 12 months out, what that says is that the manufacturing community doesn't think there's anything really negative until the second half of next year. I think that we have to use your quote. Tom Fiore says, everybody just calm down. Everybody just calm down. Calm <laughs> down. That's it. That's it. That's going to be the show notes for this uh, episode. <laughs>
<laughs> so well, Tim, you, I'm sorry, Tim, go ahead. It, it, well, I, I want to have uh, Tim walk us through his inputs, outputs. Uh, he's got a, a couple of great slides he shares with our audience that he doesn't have time to do on uh, mainstream media. So if you've got those up and ready, Tim, I'd love to see them. I'm sorry, it was chaotic this morning. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> let me let me kind of walk you through it. So uh, absolutely, Tim. So I look at I bucket things. The ten sub indexes I put into three buckets: demand, inputs, and consumption. Demand is the new orders, new export orders, backlog, and customer inventory. So let's talk about that first. New export orders are absolutely weak, uh, reflecting the situation uncertainty in Europe. And you know, China, I saw the China PMI yesterday; it's still pathetic. So China has its own issues. It's not helping. It's, it's definitely not helping here. And, and the, our, our international customers are not helping our new order rates. So, okay, it's a, it's a non-issue. They're not contracting, but they're really not growing. The backlog came down simply because the new order levels have come down in the last couple of months. So we're burning into backlog as we're consuming and converting material. All right, that's a natural thing. I don't think we're going to get really to a negative, uh, but you know, we'll see in the next couple of months. The customer inventory number, which is a reflection of our panelist companies' products on their customer shelves, is still well below 40. I think we're 24 months below 40, and we're sitting here right now at a 35. I mean, we're up two and a half points, 30, way, way, way too low. And I, you know, I think when if that number finally gets to 48, 46 to 48, which is pretty healthy, we're still two to three months away from the, that us getting from here to there. So. Demand, I think, is still solid. Like I said, the new order number, I think, is a function of overordering, and combined with uh, long lead times and high prices, buyers are pausing their way. Okay, so let's talk about the input side. This has been a demand-driven input-constrained expansion. The input side is showing improvement. It has been showing improvement. It continues to show improvement. You would expect it to show improvement, finally. I mean, we've been 18 months, I think, or longer, you know, handcuffed because of suppliers. So the, the input side is supplier deliveries, it's manufacturing inventory, it's prices and it's imports. So let's take the import number, 50.7. That's a bit of a disappointment. I, I can't tell you what the issue is right now. There's still a lot of concern out there on the port situation here, not only with uh, the, you know, China being shut down for so long, but also with the fact that the uh, longshoreman contract expired yesterday. So they're no longer bound by the rules and one of those was no strike. So, okay, so that's all open-ended. That's gonna go on for two or three months. The panelists have a lot of concern about what that may mean over the next quarter. You know, in the case of uh, prices, we've shown a steady decline in prices, which is good. You can't run at 85, 90 forever. You don't want to. This is, you know, that, this is what's changed the Fed's opinion from we need full employment to we need to stop inflation. So our prices number coming down I think the number is like 10% of the respondents said that prices decreased in June compared to May. It's either eight or 10%. The prior month it was five. So we're showing steady improvement. If you look at the commodity markets, copper's down probably because of China's weakness. Steel prices are now below a thousand. Aluminum prices are dropping. That's all really good. I mean, and, and we're still well above, well above the, the historical norms here. So, okay, we want that to happen. And then we've already talked about the inventory piece. The supplier delivery number at 57, I would hope it's gonna stay in that range now, 55 to 60. 
that's healthy. That's healthy tension. Uh, it allows suppliers to reinvest. It's good. So I think on the input side, we got to kind of where we want to be, except the import number needs to grow to the 54, 55 level. And the prices need to continue to get down into that lower 60 level. So then we talk about the consumption piece, conversion, the output, and that's production and employment. So let's take employment first. We contract it again. Second month in a row, we contracted. But as I said at the beginning of the show, it's not because we're not trying. It's not because we're furloughing people. It's not because we're laying them off. It's not even because we have hiring freezes. It's because we are dealing with a high rate of quits combined with the fact that we're now in the summer months and we did see more indications of early retirements. So you know, we ended up with a, with a contracting employment base on the factory floor, disappointment, because that's holding back the production number. The production number was stable at 55 uh, May to June, bit of a disappointment. I'm still waiting for it to get up in the high 50s, low 60s. It can't get there without employment growing too. But I, I'll tell you, I do not expect employment to get anywhere near a 55. We're, we're gonna be in the same environment now for you know, a ton of reasons. Uh, until, until the Fed does do something, if we can't get the prices number down to really cause a contraction in economic activity, which I do not believe will be this year. I, I, as I've said in the last couple of shows, I don't believe that they're gonna intervene in the economy here in an election year that would just be so devastating to the political status and you know the ebbs and flows. So you know the the steady move of increasing interest rates. We're still I think we're still below two, aren't we? Fed funds rate. We're not even at three yet. I mean right. I don't wouldn't even start to worry about it until we get to three and a half. So I think that's the, kind of the story. We you know we still can't hire enough. The turnover rate is killing us, and so a, a bunch of early retirements hurt us too. That's why it, we contracted probably more in, in June than we did in May. And you know, the production number, we took three points off of that for seasonal adjustment factors. And I, you know, I, I would agree with that because you do have the vacation period starting here. And uh, you know, you try to the seasonal factors try to keep the number relatively even throughout the whole 12-month period. So so I think we had a good month. You know, I'm disappointed in the 53 number. Uh, and you could argue it's either because the supplier deliveries came down so quickly and they're delivering better, more, more panelists reported better deliveries than we've seen in a long time. Uh, or the fact that buyers are pausing placing orders because they're still at excessive lead times and still at higher prices than they really want to pay two to three times out what they normally schedule for orders. So, so that's kind of that's it. So would you uh, would you uh, accept the fact that the fifty three number may be somewhat illusionary? Well, I, I mean, for for guys like us who study this thing and walk through the detail, uh, yeah, absolutely. For you know the general population that just looks at a headline number and doesn't right. really understand what makes it up, no, it's real to them. I mean, I think that's how the market reacted. Even though we try to do a really good job getting information out to the media community, you know, there's a lot of people who take this stuff and project it, and they just look at the number and they don't they don't know the story. You have to know how you got here, and you have to know the underlying issues. That's that's why I really enjoy the uh, the chair's role so much because I, I get thousands of comments every month and the numbers along with the comments make the story. And when I've got 85% of the panelists saying that they're still hiring and they're having difficulty hiring, that does not jive with the fact that demand went away. And you know sometimes you get timing disconnects in business, but the one thing I learned through my career is the minute that demand is, goes away, 
you stop hiring right away because you, you don't want to add to your product. And it's pretty much immediate. And the supply people would know it if that's what was going on. And there's no indication in the report that there's any, any kind of hiring freezes happening. This is why we have you on our show to explain to people, calm down. Everything's okay. Calm down. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is, this is why the chair role is, uh, is, a, is a fun role. So you get the comments and you get the numbers. So talking about the comments, let's talk about the comments from some of the uh, panelists that uh, you have in your report. What, what are they yeah, basically so, saying? Well, so, you know, I go through it. I, I look for the top industry sectors that performed in, the, in that period. And I always include the big six, you know, chemicals, the computers, transportation, machinery, food and beverage, and petroleum and coal products. Those are the current big six. I always include a common in, in there about them because that's 70% of the manufacturing economy. And then I'll look at the other company, the other manufacturing sectors that performed well in the period. And that's what you see in those, in those comments. And you know, I, I don't, you don't see anything in there about layoffs, furloughs, we throw hiring, nothing, right? So I, I, I tried to put a sprinkling of there, there is some demand concern. Not they're, they're saying demand softening. And we first talked about it last month. About 10% of my headline comments said that they, they're seeing some amount of softening. And when I dug into it, it appeared it was showing up in chemicals. Uh, I think it was fabricated metal products. And yeah. there was a third one I, I forget it. But, oh, non-metallic materials. Most of those are building, pro a lot of them go into building products. You know, they all, chemicals especially goes everywhere. But um, okay, this month we had 17% so that they see some softening. The softening doesn't mean that I don't have work to do this month, next month, the month after. Right. It, it really means that I get these massive order streams out there to my own customers and my customers are not continuing to add to that excessively long lead times. So they've decided to pause. So I, I think it's all kind of connected to that, that, you know, as a, as a, a good buyer, we've got 24 months into this expansion, somewhere about four to six months into the initial period, we all started to over order because that's what you do. You, know, you, you lock up as much as you can because somebody else will take it from you. And we've ended up with this huge amount of backlog really in orders that's reflected by the long lead times in capital equipment and raw material. You can see it right in the report there. We're at records on cap equipment and uh, raw material. And that's because we all over ordered. So, all right, you know, we still have high prices, higher than, than normal. They're starting to come down. I'm going to wait. You know, I'm going to wait. And then and my suppliers are getting better, which means, all right, they're staffing up appropriately. And at some point, their lead times will start to come down, and then the prices will come down with it, and I'll start placing orders again. I'm so excited. <laughs> really, and, and, you know, All Metals and Forge Group, of course, is into manufacturing uh, Forge products. And uh, we have had, uh, not to be braggadocious, but uh, we have had a, a very successful run these last six, eight months to the point that uh, we're making some record numbers. And, um, you know, prices uh, notwithstanding, because people are paying the elevated prices because they're still concerned about disruption and uh, supply chain and so on and so forth. Uh, that's still not going away. Uh, have you heard much of that from your panelists about the logistics and, and supply chain issues? Uh, yeah, on the transportation side, it, it definitely appears to be easing somewhat. Uh, like our ocean freight comments are about half of what they were in May. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the comments are primarily around the ability 
to get containers and, and, and schedule loads. So it seems the ocean freight seems to be diminishing, but we'll see. We'll see what happens here with the longshoremen and, and the, the true impacts of China and the fact that they were shut down for several months. And they continue to have these rolling, you know, they, they've doubled down on their policy of locking everybody up, which has got to be chaotic, you know, in, in manufacturing business over there. Unless, unless you can house them all on your site, which they do a lot of that. It's like the old days when you had dormitories and you fed everybody and you, you kept them in this in the little city there. We call them towns here. They they probably call them towns there too. You know, <laughs> you're still going to have that issue. On the road freight side, uh, you know, we're, we're down on that too. Not as much of a disruptor, give you a feeling for that. So, uh, you know, in the supplier delivery section where most of my transportation comments show up, we had uh, in the month of uh, April, 39% of the supplier delivery comments were transportation related, including ocean freight. And then the month of uh, May, it came down to 32% and now we're at 21. So there seems to be an easing of that too. And I've always said that transportation is really the early indicator of manufacturing uh, activity, which is really the early indicator of services, which in totality is the US economy. So we seem to be moving towards normality on transportation too. And we should continue to do that as long as we don't have a big impact uh, you know, due to the port issues on the West Coast and, and coming out of China. If that, if that shows up in the next month or two, then you'll see that whole transportation activity get a lot more complicated and you'll see the supplier delivery number go back up above 60 for sure. Uh, within the next couple of days, we're gonna have Anthony Nieves, who's the committee chair of the uh, services report. So we'll see you know, where that the totality of the two reports are in sync with one another and more than likely they are. There is one thing that I'm seeing that I'm rather surprised at, and I haven't seen it for a couple of years, uh, even prior to uh, COVID, is that I'm getting notices in the in emails from manufacturers who are giving us uh, shutdown dates where they're shutting down for two week uh, vacation time. And uh, that sort of surprised me. You know, they got uh, a lot of inventory. They, they've got a backlog. I'm surprised that they're shutting down, especially when they don't have enough workers in the first place. And now you're going to shut down for two weeks. Yeah, you have to do maintenance, but you can do maintenance, you know, in, in the second shift. Well, there's two competing philosophies around that. Uh, you shut down for two weeks, everybody goes home, then everybody comes back and you start up again. Or you let everybody take vacation throughout the th you know the three months of the summer mm -hmm. period, and you're short you're short shifted through all of that. And and you know right now being able to fill those gaps if you're short shifted is pretty much impossible. So do you want to operate for the whole summer inefficiently, or you just want to take the pain for two weeks and then come back up and manage it? There's mm -hmm. you know two different opinions on it, and I, I've operated in both. In today's environment, I guess I would probably say shut down. Because you get you get enough confusion going on anyway. You don't need to introduce your own from people taking vacations. <coughs> that's a that's a good thought. Well, Tim, you've made a very interesting point, and, it, and, and Lou is experiencing it. That when you're sitting on record backlog, and you can't find employees, that employment number dipping a little bit is not an indication that you're going to lay people off when you've got so much work to do. You got to get caught up eventually, but laying people off is not the solution. Yeah, it's not the answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So 
But you know, you look at the PMI report, employment contracted 47 to 47. All right, that must mean companies are shedding people. No, pretty much with every one of these numbers, there's always a counter argument. No, what it means is, the fact is, I don't have as many people on the factory floor in June that I did in May. And why is that? Well, it's not because I let them go. It's because I just they just keep quitting on me and I can't replace them fast enough. That's just kind of it. And this month, like I said, we did have more comments on the retirement side. I think this uh, last couple of months, uh, May and April, was like 5% of five points of that 30 some odd point turn, turnover thing was uh, early retirements. It was six points. Now it's eight. So there was a there was an increase really in early retirements reported and not surprising. You know, if you're going to opt out, you're going to do it in the early summer. You're not going to do it in December or you know, the winter time so you can sit in the house. I'm going to throw you a, a little bit of a left left hook. Um, do you think that, and, and it's totally, sort of totally off the mark, do you think that if the U.S. dealt with its immigration policy differently than we are, that perhaps we wouldn't have the job uh, not job shortage, but people shortage that we're presently having? Well, I mean, immigrants have been a great source of, uh, of uh, resources for us forever. Right. And I mean, and, and if the population grows, GDP goes with it. I mean, it's a, there's a, a rule of thumb. So, you know, consequently, if the population doesn't grow, neither does GDP, unless you can factor in some amount of productivity efficiency, which you know, we do. But you know, the clear rule of thumb is as population grows, we produce more and, and we consume more. So if we shut down immigration to the point where we're really not growing, I mean, I don't wanna really look like uh, Japan you know, or even China now, they're not, because they're not really societies that allow people to come in and, and go. It's, it's, they're, 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 they struggle. I mean, even the forecast on China is that it's got population decline, you know, massive amounts of people, but uh, they're not growing their people. So, yeah, and, you know, hey, we need we need an effective energy policy in this country, an effective one. Uh, you know, this whispering in the back room about we really didn't mean what we said. Uh, <laughs> that I don't think really counts. I think there needs to be some solid plans here to acknowledge the fact that fossil fuels are here with us for another who knows how long, but they're not going away tomorrow. And, you know, if you try to get them to go away tomorrow, we're all paying the price for that. And we need an immigration policy because we need to continue to grow the U.S. population at a, a two to three percent clip. And, you know, the, the, um, the self-generation rate is not there. Uh, the last I saw, we're not if we shut everything off, if we close all the borders and leave, leave anybody in, we would be a declining population. Correct. Correct. Which is not helpful. Yes. And, so and take America has never been that way. So to take this conversation to a next step or the next level means we have to go political on the discussion, which we're not going to do. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> no, we made, made the point. Energy policy, immigration policy. We need those. And, uh, right. Yeah, it doesn't appear that there's any on the near-term horizon, unfortunately. Yes, cl clearly there have been countries who have artificially lowered their birth rate and Roe v. Wade was just overturned, 20% of the population of the United States, it would have been 20% greater, greater with 63 million Americans. China did a one-child policy for about 20 years and then went, oops, that's not working out for us. They can't hire workers. So there's another area where countries have hurt themselves in their population growth. You're right, Tim. The United States is headed for 
zero population growth at this time without immigration. And you're also correct that you can't get GDP growth without population growth. They do go hand in hand. So sum it up for us, what does the GDP look like? Uh, and I don't know that I've heard a number yet for the second quarter, according to what you've seen as we've seen 57, 56, 53 reports coming out for the Institute for Supply Management. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, here's the other rub. So typically we had a, a declining expansion, GDP expansion in Q1. If you remember, the reason for that is that we had an excessive amount of imports that entered into the country in the first quarter of 2022. The reason we had that was because we couldn't get that product in in the second half of 2021. So we had to shift across measurement periods that put us negative in Q1. Now here we are in Q2, and I'm hearing numbers, you know, tenths, negative tenths. Okay, that's almost like rounding error, but fine. So we may very well be in a technical recession, but, and, and hey, call it, it doesn't feel like a recession to me. I think I know recessions to me feel like layoffs, uh, you know, uh, negative earnings reports, you know, you know, massive restructures going on. And that, and that yeah, announcements from Fortune 500 country, companies, you're gonna lay off 20,000 people and restructure. That's not happening. So even if we end up in a technical recession, it doesn't feel like a recession to me. And there's a lot of people, I've, been, I've talked to a lot of people months ago on this whole, they've been laying out the groundwork that this might be coming. You really cannot measure a recession just by two quarters of successive negative. You know, for me, when we start, you know, when an unemployment rate gets up to eight or 9%, that's a recession. And, and, and I don't think that anybody's gonna drive that in 2022. If we, we remain at, at the high wages and ever escalating wages and high commodity prices, something might have to be done in 2023. But I, I just, like I said from the beginning, I just don't see that in 2022. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. That's another great quote. From the it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> so calm down. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. So calm down. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We appreciate the insight you offer going into detail in this report. You're absolutely right. Look past the top line number, look into the detail behind it to get the real story, which you can only get here on Manufacturing Talk Radio, by the way. Thanks for joining. Yeah, I hope I explained it well to your listeners. Talk to you guys in uh, August. Thank you. Take care. Have a great fourth. Yes, you as well. Thanks. Thank you. And uh, Lou, we certainly enjoyed that conversation. Uh, you know, we have been talking for some time about the R word. We even did an issue in Manufacturing Outlook easing, which you publish, uh, about the recession and is it coming? And the consensus of opinion is it's not. So Tim Fiore's right, calm down. That's right. That's right. It's not coming yet. And if it does yes. come, there is such a thing as a soft recession. So yeah, let's, not right. panic. let's not freak out. Let's enjoy the business that we're getting. Let's enjoy inflation. I, I really enjoy inflation. Uh, so the, the wife will ask me for a couple of extra bucks for shopping, but there's always <laughs> American Express credit cards. Yeah, that's 
right. Run up. Well, we, that's right. Well, we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning into this live broadcast. When you're surfing the web, stop by ismworld.org, which issues these reports. Also go to jacketmediaco.com. And we would encourage you to go to manufacturingoutlook.com, which is where you can subscribe to the magazine. Free. Manufacturing Outlook for free. That's correct, Lou, for free. It's filled with a lot of great content. You really should thumb through it and see what you've got. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.